great technician, it's hard to become a manager and then finally be that big picture guy. For me, it wasn't being the best technician. I was a better manager. That was where my skill set was. And that's really hard. And you, you get really frustrated when you're out doing a job or fixing a job that wasn't done the way you thought it should be done. And the whole time you're thinking about being this big picture guy who can talk about the entrepreneur, but the boxes allowed me to go, okay, today for these next two hours, I'm a technician. Two hours after that, I'm a scheduler. Two hours after that, I'm gonna go do some estimating. And then the last two hours of the night, you're doing the accounting. Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. All right, all right, all right. What is going on, you guys? Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. I'm super excited for this one to drop on you today with my friend Chris, who is a mover and shaker in the home service industry. He is going to be dropping some knowledge on you today with some tips, some advice to take your business up to that next level. Um, before I get to my interview with Chris, I wanted to highlight uh, one of the reviews that came in and just wanted to say, Thank you so much to those of you who've written me a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me. Uh, guys who have been listening here, we have a very loyal group of listeners who turn, tune in every single episode. I can see all the stats, all the analytics. So thank you so much. But what I wanted to ask, if you've listened to a few of my episodes now and you think there's some value, if you could just take two minutes of your time and leave me a five-star review would be incredible. It helps get the word out to other home service business owners and does me a solid favor. So thank you. You know who you are listening to this. If you haven't done it yet, please do that. And feel free to message me on Instagram too. Just let me know, hey, through your review today. I'd uh, love to hear from you on that front. Today's review I wanted to highlight is from Danny Boy. Danny gave me a five star and he called me the goat of the home service industry. That's obviously some high praise and appreciate the love from Danny. He gave me five stars. He said, I've learned a bunch of incredible, useful tips from David. Love to see that he started a podcast as he always provides a ton of value when he talks. Thanks for that one, Danny boy. Appreciate the, uh, the solid shout out on that front. Uh, I love to know that the podcast is bringing value and I really try and bring my A game on each of these episodes to give you some value for your business, to get it up to that next level, get you working on the business, not in it. The last thing I'll leave you with before we dive in with Chris here is I would highly recommend if you are interested in growing your business, reach out to me guys. You can book a free coaching call with me. Uh, it's not a sales call. I get on the, the call with you and try to give you some advice. Um, you can also just even email me, uh, homeservicebusinesscoach at gmail.com. And I'd love to connect with you. Uh, love to hear that this is bringing you some value. Even if you just want to say hi, tell me where you're listening from and tell me a little bit about your business would be awesome to connect. So that's all I got for now. Without further ado, we're going to dive into the episode and bring you some value here with Chris. Thanks again for listening, guys, and look forward to talking to you soon. 
What is going on, everybody? It's Dave Mormon back for another episode with Home Service Business Coach. I have my friend on today, Chris Lalamit. I botched your name already. Help me out here, Chris. It's Chris Lalamia. Lalamia, thank you. Awesome. Um, guys, I've got Chris on the show today. I'm, I'm super honored to get his time and talk to him. Uh, he's a mover and shaker in our space in the home service uh, industry. And we've got a mutual friend in uh, Craig Juice. So Craig, if you're listening, thanks for the uh, connection on this one. But um, Chris is coming on the show, guys, today. He's got a wealth of experience in how to grow, how to scale uh, a home service-based uh, business. And now he is firing up his online school. Uh, he's also got a book out. So he's uh, definitely got his hands on a lot of pies that we're going to be hearing about uh, today. So I'm looking forward to um, to chatting. And uh, Chris wanted to give you a, a warm welcome to the show today, man. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, tell us, um, let's start kind of more at the beginning. Your, your home service business is called the Trusted Toolbox. You're 13 years in business. You've scaled up a bunch of trucks. Tell us um, a little bit about that business and that'll give us some context to kind of discuss your other uh, initiatives here. So the Trusted Toolbox is here in the metro Atlanta area. I've got 15 uh, handymen that work for me and run around in my Merc trucks uh, that are wrapped in vans. Uh, we also have a project management division that does remodeling. We focus primarily in bath and kitchen remodeling. Our unique, uh, what makes us a little bit different is we try to put a professional image on the traditional handyman. Um, I do have estimators that'll go out there and look at the jobs, uh, but we also just dispatch technicians on uh, basis of time. And the thing that really helps us is by having as big as we are, as big as we are, we got a lot of different skills within the company. And so our dispatcher has got to do a lot of skill-based routing, which makes our business a little bit more complex. We're not just doing one thing. We've got to get the right guys to the right job on the right day. Wow. And you've been in, you said, 13 years now. Yeah, 13 years. I started right in 2008, right as the... Uh, Recession started here in the U.S., so my timing pretty much stinks, but it helped me uh, tighten the belt, as it were, in the beginning. Yeah, that's awesome. And did you have a background in home services prior to that, or did you come from corporate America, or what did that look like? Yeah, my career has all been in corporate America. Uh, my fun was working on houses. Uh, my vacations as a kid, we were always uh, building something for our grandmother or grandfather or aunt and uncle. A lot of people were building houses, so that was my fun. But my background is I've got my master's in mechanical engineering but I found my way into the world of bank mergers and left uh, a bank here in Atlanta uh, where I was the loan operations manager last, but I've always had the passion to start my own business. And, and so that's what I did. I took the leap back in April of 2008. Wow. And you've obviously, you've scaled pretty quick. I was reading your, uh, some goodies on you there. You've got, is it the biggest home service company in, in Atlanta for your, for your niche? It is. Yeah. So we're the biggest handyman here in Atlanta. And when we're compared to even remodelers, uh, they have a book of list that comes out. We would, uh, if I would have applied for it, we would have been the fifth largest. Uh, so wow. the scale of operation uh, definitely is something that makes you have to have your hands on a lot of stuff. <laughs> so that's incredible, Chris. Drop a few gold nuggets here on our listeners, because I mean, a lot of people who are listening to this, they're, they're stuck on the truck, right? They're fighting the good fight. Maybe an employee, maybe a second employee, you've scaled up a bunch of employees, trucks, multi seven figures. Like what would be a couple key pieces of advice you'd have to the little guy, maybe say doing, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, man, look at Chris, how did, how did you scale this thing? Cause it, 
it happened like quite quickly, right? I mean, it's not like this is taking you 40 years to figure out or you were gifted a business from the next generation. Like what's, what's a few, been a few keys to your success here if you've blown this thing up? Yeah, the first one, um, the first one I was uh, pretty good and I have that in my book too is I had a functional org chart. And if you look in my book, you'll see in the functional org chart, uh, when I started on day one, I filled every box. I was the primary CSR, I was the estimator, I was the technician, I was the quality control, I was accounting and marketing and everything else. And, but by having that functional org chart, when it came time to move uh, or add somebody, I went, where's the one thing that I need to get off and start doing more of and doing less of? So the first person I hired in October, after being in business for six months, was a CSR. A lady who could answer the phones, be in the office, and then I slowly worked myself into just doing the estimating work and then the quality control and scheduling, and I started to find technicians. The second thing I would say is that as a business owner, you have a way you wanna do it, and you're passionate about your customers, and you give that warm personal touch. When you bring people into your organization, they have a need, and their need is an easy transaction that demonstrates their artistry, where they can go home at the end of the day and take care of their families. So that's their needs. And in the beginning, as I was hiring these guys, they weren't doing things my way. And uh, in the book, I actually put, I shut my business down because I have what we call the redos. Mm -hmm. uh, I had five people call in right away one day of all various things about, I'm not paying you, this didn't go right. And uh, I shut it down and went, fixed all the redos. And I found out a lot of them came from me. And it was me being the estimator who didn't put something in, me being the scheduler and didn't say that we needed to schedule around this. And so I worked on that process uh, to get my guys to align my wants with their needs. Wow. So much there, man. There's like three podcasts. I'm just listening to what you're saying. So can you tell us, let's dive a little deeper, this functional org chart. So you got, you, you've kind of set out what this, uh, what this business will become. You put your name into every box. So I'd imagine you would have been wearing probably 20 hats when you started. Right. But you That's were, right. I, it sounds like the org chart makes you realistic of all the things you're actually doing in the business. It, it really does. Uh, well, I, you know, great example. You said it's really hard to get out of the truck. It is so hard. Uh, and they talk about that in the E-Myth Revisited with Michael Gerber is if you're a great technician, it's hard to become a manager and then finally be that big picture guy. For me, it wasn't being the best technician. I was a better manager. That was where my skill set was. And that's really hard. And you, you get really frustrated when you're out doing a job or fixing a job that wasn't done the way you thought it should be done. And the whole time you're thinking about being this big picture guy who can talk about the entrepreneur, but the boxes allowed me to go, okay, today for these next two hours, I'm a technician. Two hours after that, I'm a scheduler. Two hours after that, I'm going to go do some estimating. And then the last two hours of the night, you're doing the accounting and the invoicing. Yeah. So you didn't have a huge struggle being chained to the truck. It was more like you were an all-star manager that you had to replace yourself in that role. Yeah, that my bigger struggle was going from manager to big picture idea guy and sitting back and not being the number one problem solver in my company, because yeah. that's the next part that, and you're, when you're in quality control and you're finding out that maybe what I wanted and expected from my guys to do customer service and a great transaction wasn't being uh, accomplished. And I had to do a lot of that work and figure out it was the way I was training my guys. Let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, do you, we're, we're creating all our SOPs constantly. I feel like we're redoing things and finding better ways of doing things. We're kind of pushing into more 
video training on talent LMS. We got a profile and we call it Revive University. We're trying to document our processes, but can you speak to our videos more of a thing or do you like still writing out the procedures? Like I found with technicians, if it's not simple, it's just sitting on your shelf. So do you got any uh, ninja hacks on that front? I got one. Yeah. We implemented a checklist and it came from uh, our tool Gawande's uh, book called the checklist manifesto. And the checklist is built around uh, airplane pilots and doctors. And these people have people's lives in their hands, right? So what I tell everybody is the checklist we developed, we don't have people's lives depending on what we're doing, but you sure as hell can look at that checklist. Yeah. And the checklist I found started to drive the habits that we're looking for. And it was as simple as, did you put your shirt on as it clean? Uh, are your tools charged? Is your iPad charged? Because our guys are dispatched with iPads. So keeping it short and doing a short checklist. Again, pilots and doctors can use them. And if you've ever seen them, they're really small and they're very pointed. Because I agree with you, a beautiful operations manual, which is sitting on my hard drive here, is hardly ever looked at. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, you seem like a really systems driven person. Hey, like, can you speak that? I'm guessing that's been a key to your success as well as checklists and order and org charts. You know, what would you say to someone who's like not really wired that way? Do you think the systems, the love of systems can be learned or should these people just read the e-myth or like, how do you actually get good? Like thinking about systems? That's a great question. Uh, that, a little bit about my background was, again, being in engineering is problem solving. But um, it's important, and you hear it all the time, and really, it's, let's, let's face it, it's a dry subject. Uh, oh, I got to develop a process. Oh, let me just get back out there and install this door. Or let me go out there and, in your world, let me do some pressure wash, can make something look really cool. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I work real hard here in my culture is that I don't start the blame game. I always start the, what did I do wrong? And then I work my way back to, all right, what, what did I do wrong? And I put that in the book was, like I said, it was a redo for a technician, but he didn't know he had to replace a piece of trim on the right side of the house because I didn't tell him to. But he didn't go at the end and follow his checklist that said, review the work order, review all the work done with the customer and get a signature. And once I started implementing that with just simple checklists, I started to find out that these guys could answer and solve their own problems and it wasn't falling back on me. Wow. It's so good. We're working on that with our team right now is how to get our technicians thinking more critically, right? We, we've adopted the term, we're not a problem-based company, we're solutions-oriented. So if you're calling your manager, it's like, hey, this happened, this is what I'm doing about it. Okay, I agree, but maybe watch out for this kind of thing. We've even given our techs a spending limit up to $300 to say, if you need to fix something, go to the hardware store, go to Home Depot, you can spend up to $300 and that doesn't need a phone call. So we're trying to empower them and man, it's a, it, it's a game changer in production when you can have your people really thinking for themselves. That's right. I mean, you want these guys, again, the, the, the technician in the field, you want him being, uh, being the problem solver and being the face of your company. And again, aligning our wants as business owners with their needs and you show them that they benefit more if they follow your process that you just talked about. And having that $300 uh, idea, that's a, that's a Ritz-Carlton move. That's a great move. I, I uh, learned about that one too. But empowering these guys to uh, solve that problem is huge. Like I said, one thing that we did is we implemented this simple review card. Um, you probably can't see it, but 
It's yeah, I got of, it. QR code. That's nice. We train our guys in our checklist to go to the customer at the end and say, it would, it would mean the world to me if you would give me a good review. If I didn't earn five stars, let me know and I'll make it happen. I force the guy to go ask the question to the customer in a non-threatening way. And you know what they hear is, oh, well, could you just touch that up? Oh, could you clean up that baseboard? Oh, I saw some paint over here on the side of the yard. Could you clean that? And it's, it's okay, well, they missed it, but guess what? They got a five-star review, usually get a tip. And I now know as a business owner, I got a happy customer and a happy tech. So good. What more do you need? Hey, your external customers are happy and we call them our internal customers are happy. Your guys are happy. Yeah. So when it goes off like that, but then when it doesn't and you go, wait, what just happened? Remember, we kept saying you got to use these cards. Mm -hmm. Well, they weren't home or um, maybe the guy knew that maybe it wasn't his best work and he was trying to maybe slink away and see if he can get away with it. Um, and so, again, in our culture, um, we call those redos and they have to go back on their own time and do the work. Okay. So that's a good pivot. You're, you're obviously been in this industry a long time. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. What, what's been like a struggle or two you've had, you know, is it in the hiring department? What, why do people not get to the level you're at? Like what's been the struggle points you've had to say, okay, I'm going to just keep, you know, keep the gas down, keep, keep pushing forward. What, what's been hard about growing this thing? It has been the people, um, finding guys, Finding artists like this in the gig economy, whether it be painters or handymen or electricians or plumbers, um, these guys are used to what we would consider a gig economy, right? Uh, if you're an artist and you're playing a gig in a bar on the weekends, you're working for the next gig. And these guys think the same way. They're artists and they do that. So to come work for a quote unquote company, many, I'd say right now, I think we just looked it up. Three quarters of the guys on my staff right now don't even have a resume. They never really worked for another company. They've always worked for themselves. So they're used to being autonomous problem solvers, but they really don't want to come work for a company. So attracting those guys to our, to our niche has been difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's been, that's not just a 2021 problem. Hey, like you've probably had this the whole time. I would imagine that you've been scaling this. Yeah, I, it's been a problem the whole time. In fact, I uh, got somebody looking for this article. I saw it once on LinkedIn you read the article and you didn't read the date, you'd think you'd be talking about me today. And the date was 1968. No way. Same, the same problems in 1968. And I'm looking for it again to find it, but can't find good people. Nobody's getting into the trades anymore. And I'm like, yeah, right. That, oh, wow. That was, uh, it's been going on for a long time. <laughs> wow. I think we sometimes think too in home services, it's just us, but it's like, I even drive to the coffee shop this morning, help wanted, apply within. It's like, it is literally, I think every business owner's problem is how do you get, you know, people on your team? Is there anything you guys do different without giving away all your secrets here? But is it, is it just like being a good boss or like, does it take time or, or what, what advice would you have to someone that's like, I hired someone last week. They didn't show up today on Monday. So I'm back in the truck. Right. Um, so there, uh, there are no secrets for me. I, I've been willing to share everything because what we do is really hard uh, to, to depend on people in our home service sphere. For us to scale, we can't just put a class out there and hopefully people just go watch it once and, and watch it a thousand times. We need people. And what do you do is you make sure you put out clear uh, objectives. I, have, I started with just a one pager that said, these are my code of ethics. And before you went on a job with me, we went through all of them. But we go out and do a job together. 
today at the size I'm at now, when you start with us, you go with one of our lead guys for a couple of days. Uh, we get to assess your skills. You get to kick around whether or not you like working with us. We put them in what's called the trial uh, trial uh, period. And then we bring them in and then we do a big job of onboarding. So uh, the very first thing they do is they sit with me for an hour and a half and we call that the culture, uh, culture training. And that is 13 years ago, I started this business and I started like this and today we're here and this is the reputation and this is the team you're joining. Now let's go talk about the secret sauce. Yeah. I love that, man. So even at your size, you're still running that 90 minute brain dump of culture. It, we were talking about that at our company. It's something I really like doing is we're nowhere near at your size. We just like to, I like to go in the office and give that, that spiel. You know, I think as the founder, it's important that the, every employee knows the why they get time with you, the owner. Yeah. I, uh, now we do training every other two weeks, um, for almost everybody. It's the only time they see me. Um, in fact, I missed one training class last year and, uh, one of the guys came up to me and said, Chris, we had one of the best training classes last time. I said, why? Because I wasn't here. What the heck, man? But they get to see you for, uh, in, in my case now I let everybody run the training and I just finish it. But hearing from me about where we are with the business and know that they're part of something bigger and know that I appreciate them, but I also speak their language, um, is, is important for the culture and for your guys to be problem solvers in the field. Yeah, this is an aside, but I really like the vans you've got going on. Do you, um, are you more in the, the lease, the new vans, or do you like buying pre-owned? I love asking this question to people who've scaled like yourself. Yeah, uh, in the beginning, I bought them off auction. Yep. Um, today's world, because of COVID, it was easier to buy a new one. Yep. Not easier, but it was only 3,000 more than a used one. Nice. But those wraps, I use a 3M wrap, which I highly recommend. Uh, and then I let them stay on there way too long. And so I've got a couple that eh, probably a little worn out uh, and it's time for me to change them out. But the wrap really hides a lot of imperfections. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a facelift, right? I, uh, I, I like the wrap you have too. It's catchy. And I saw the picture of your team in front of a bunch of bands. I'm sure it was maybe from a few years ago, but it looks really, uh, really professional with that wrap. Yeah, it helps. It definitely helps identify it. Now it doesn't help you in traffic. I would tell you, you want to make sure you get cut off uh, being a wrap truck because everybody cuts you off because nobody wants to be behind you right? But when you show up, it, it helps set those guys up. And we talked about that as well. I want them to have an easy transaction, but we're walking into people's houses and in you, you're, you're pressure washing and painting people's houses. You know what? The anxiety level for customers is so high. And when they get to see something that they identify with, that they have agreed to go with, they start to lower their anxiety level and go, Hey, I, I'm meeting Brian today. Okay. I like Brian because Brian's part of the trusted toolbox. Totally. And that's been a big thing. And that's what we talk about. Totally. So tell us uh, and tell the listeners all about your, uh, your book, Chris. It's called uh, From the Zoo to the Wild. And I see you've been in now, is it 12,000 houses or something you said? Yes. So I've personally been in over 12,000 houses since I started the business between doing, I was doing between six and eight estimates a day plus doing quality control checks. And I started to count it up. And yes, I had been in that many houses. Um, well, but I, You've got a huge wealth of experience uh, that I'm sure is captivated in this book. So tell us uh, about it. Why did you write it? And tell me, most importantly, like speak to the avatar you want to read this book that would get the most gold, gold nuggets out of it. Yeah, if somebody got, came across your podcast and was listening to this and they're sitting and they're uh, working from the house or they're working in their cube, but going back into the office and they're going, I'm just not using 
all the stuff I've got available to me, all of my skills and my abilities. I wonder what it's like to go out and jump out into the entrepreneurial wild and be like Dave and Chris. Well, I didn't know all that. So the book is about going through the process I went through, figuring out what I was good at, what I was passionate about, building a business plan, not just for building the business plan's sake, but um, what I did was I surrounded myself with mentors of people who had been in this business before me and shot my business plan before I got started. So I take them through that. And then I realized about the customer experience, the second half of the book really is for home service folks. Uh, even if you started your business, chapters four through eight are gonna really hit home with the things that I struggled with, including shutting my business down for two days because I was screwed up. And then at one point I felt like I was there. I was like, hey, I think I'm pretty successful. And I talked to a mentor of mine and he says, man, it looks like you're in a rut, dude. I'm like, what? And he's right, I was stagnant in growth and I should have been growing. And uh, so I went back and dug in. Uh, and then finally, that we can't grow in home services without people. And if you aren't invested in your people's training and in your, your culture of your company, you're going to find that you're always going to be looking for people, losing people, asking why this problem happened. And so that's why I wrote the book. Man, that's incredible. So it does dive pretty deep for someone in home services. I'm sure they could you know, resonate with probably a lot what you say in that book. Yeah, I think so. I, a lot of the things I've learned myself, I took about two years to write it. Um, and then when I realized I had something that was worth publishing and wanted to get my name out there and, and share some of my experiences, because the way I thought in corporate America is way different than you think when you're out there running your own business. Yeah. You're optimistic, you're persevering, you're problem solving, but you're also doing all those boxes in that functional org chart we talked about. Totally. I'm going to uh, get myself a copy. I'm going to definitely put it up in the show notes. Is it on Audible as well or Amazon or how would someone buy it? But right now it's on Amazon. It's in Kindle form and paperback. I'm actually working. Um, I have a friend of mine who has a very good speaking voice who has agreed to do the Audible for me. So I'm going to let him do that. Um, so we're hoping to have that done in a couple months. Uh, so probably by the end of 2021. Yeah, send that to me uh, once it's up on Audible and I'll, I'll refresh it on this episode. But for those listening now, before that, um, I'll put up the link and you can uh, get a copy. I'm sure there'll be. It's amazing, man. I find someone spends 20, 30 bucks on a book, whatever it is. You literally get someone's like brain in a book. It's like, why would you not try buy any book you can get your hands on? You know, it just makes sense. Yeah, I love the Audible thing, podcasts. Uh, I'm with you. I, we're all in trucks. A lot of the folks probably listen to your podcasts. You're like, man, I don't have time to read a book. You're right. But if you heard this, the average successful CEO reads 60 books a year. And if you listen to Audible for 30 minutes a day, you can get through 60 books in a year. So listen to these podcasts. That's why I do want to do Audible because I'm that kind of guy too. Yeah. But I did write the book for somebody like me who may be a little attention deficit disorder. <laughs> nope. Um, so you can read through the snippets and then dive in when you want to. That's awesome. Okay, now let's let's wrap up. I want to hear about this home service institute you've got going. You're telling me off the call you've got an online school. So tell the listeners, like again, these guys, these girls, they have the technical skills down. They know how to turn a wrench. It's all about training and transferring that knowledge to a crew holding them accountable, designing the rules of the game. So tell us about, uh, call it the HSI, the Home Service Institute. The Home Service Institute really came from the fact that I realized three years ago, I wasn't in the remodeling and handyman business anymore. I was really in the training business, uh, getting these guys together on a consistent basis. And we do it on Wednesdays because Mondays are crazy in home services. And if I do it on Fridays, well, the weekend, we all seem to forget things. So we do it on Wednesdays. The Home Service Institute 
is there to help the busy business owner who doesn't have time to put together a training system that will really help improve your reviews, improve your employee retention, and improve your profitability, all three of which happened after I instituted this training. My online reviews went from 4.2 to 4.6, uh, which is hard to move after a while, but especially when we've got, we're over 500 now Google reviews. Wow. My average retention, I was seven months uh, able to keep handyman before we started this training four years ago. My average tenure now is 22 months. So these Home Service Institute is an opportunity to get some modules of training that will, you can deliver to your own, uh, your own guys in your office with talking points that allow you to reinforce the points that make sense to you. And it starts at just $5.95 a year, uh, pretty low price uh, for entry, because we also think we could be able to help people with their culture around training around operations. And I'm not going to train you on how to be a better pressure washer or train you how to be a better handyman, but we always do a technical component with our stuff. So we'll train our guys on how to set a door better, how to maybe replace a garbage disposal easier. But uh, what we want to do with the Home Service Institute is be that first part for you to set up your three parts which ultimately drive profitability and better employees. Yeah, that's amazing. Are you considering doing a, any type of an online conference with this down the road at all, where people would all come together, or is this going to kind of stay a virtual thing? So I, uh, we're starting virtual. We just started, you know, the beginning of 2020, coming out of COVID, uh, getting this going. Really want to get the word out on it. Uh, I'll, ultimately, what I'd like this to be is to be a community of home service providers solely talking about customer service aspects. Again. HVAC and electricians and plumbers, okay, you can do that stuff, but let's talk about the customer service component, and I want to see that community grow there because what's going to happen for all of us is the customer service aspects are just becoming more and more important with people who have a lot of, uh, you know, the homeowners who probably don't know what to expect, don't really want you there, and uh, they're hoping for something to go a little bit easier. So, yes, that's eventually what we want to have as a master class and maybe a community built up virtually. And then if it gets big enough, you know, maybe we get together, who knows? But um, I think this could be really cool for all of us. It's fantastic, Chris. I tell you, it's a much needed thing. Like we talk about with our guys, you know, we're going into the same homes where people that morning have sat on their Amazon prime and bought whatever delivered to their door by 9 PM that day, the same people that are ordering their Starbucks getting delivered. So there's such a drop off of like these behemoth companies that you can just click, click, click and boom, it comes to your house. And then the amount of BS that a homeowner goes through with dealing with home service providers, it's like, you can't get a hold of John. He had to take his, his kid into the hospital. So it's delayed. Therefore my day is delayed. So can you speak to like what you see in your market? I know you talked to a lot of people, but what's shifting in the home service industry as far as like, consumer demands being like heightened. I think every week that passes, but I'd love to hear your take on that. I agree with you 100%. Um, we, we're just, while well, we're doing this, we're, we're out, I would say, out of the COVID pandemic here in the uh, Georgia area. We're back to full capacity and back to running again. What we see though is that attention-starved people, time-starved people are very anxious. And I, you're, you are exactly right. Today, you order something on Amazon, you almost get it same day. You want to go get McDonald's, you can sit in your house and get somebody to Uber drive it to you. So the access and the instant gratification of today's world, the, and coupled with the fact that a lot of them are chronically uninformed, that you can't just come in and pressure wash a house in 30 seconds. 
um, that you're going to be there for a couple hours. And yeah, it's going to be loud and it's going to be a mess. And by the time I'm done, it's going to be clean. And in my world, they're chronically uninformed. So we talk about the three secrets of the customer here a lot. And it's in my book. They expect the job to be done now. They expect uh, you to like them um, because we'll buy from you. And if you don't tell me how much it's going to be, I'm going to assume it's about half the cost of what you expected. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny, man. When back in my painting days, I'd lay down a quote and people would be like, you know, seven grand to paint your whole house. Oh, I thought it would be 3,500. I'm like, my costs are 3,500. My direct costs painters. It's like, there's you're exactly right on number three, that expectation gap of you could ask them, what do you think the price will be? Half the time, it won't even be your cost to do that job. It is so you're out in different parts of the ball game here. Yeah, it, it's a it's a struggle, and so I do see that uh, with more and more of what's been happening in our world. I think you're going to see more consolidation across the U.S. in major metro markets of uh, being able to provide the same service. And I think the big companies that can figure out service the best, because I was in a study two years ago where I got to have access to the outcome, and what they were had the customers rank was one to ten. What's more important? And guess what? quality of the completion was below a call 30 minutes ahead of your attended appointment. And so, and I put that in the book as well is because they expect that the hot water is going to come back on when you change the hot water tank or you change out your air conditioning, the air is going to blow cool or you're going to have your heater working. They expect the door to be in. They expect that it's already done. But if you don't call them 30 minutes ahead to let them know that you're coming to invade their space, they're sitting there and they get more and more anxious and anxiety driven and that was higher than the quality of the job. And that's the kind of stuff we'll have to work on continuously in the home service space. Totally. Speaking of that study, do you know offhand where price was in that? Because people, we think, oh, price is most important. But I've heard it being not like more towards the middle or bottom. Is that true? It was. In this study, the same thing too. Now, um, they what they did as business owners who got the study asked us to rank the 10 and uh, it's just out of arm's reach over here. But I remember ranking price at three and it came out at seven. So you're right. It was below half of the 10. But I, my comment was uh, people just didn't want to say they were cheap. But uh, truth, you know, the truth really was that the price was not as big of a driver, but the service, uh, the expectation setting. Um, they also, believe it or not, in our worlds, you know, you, you're talking about pressure washing and painting. That's a repeatable business in my world. 40% of my business comes from repeat customers. People, people are more welcome and more open now to maintenance contracts. Yeah. Yep. And they said that. And so we're uh, toying around with uh, implementing something like that here. That's fantastic. We, we've launched it just this year, actually, as we figure out our business. We've got recurring service agreements for window cleaning. You know, if you want us to come out twice a year, clean your windows. We've got, um, we're exploring that on our Christmas light division as well. Obviously, highly seasonal, but recurring nature. So you're right, man. It's all coming down the, uh, the line here as far as, like, I think he or she who makes business the easiest will win the game. Uh, and I also think whoever has the, the access to the best technicians will win the game. And I think it was just off a call before we started chatting, talking to this one student of mine saying, we got to work on raising your prices with, you know, if only for the reason to attract better people so you can pay them better. It, it all just works together. I think there's so many moving parts in a home service business. That's why I think a lot of people can't achieve the scale you have because it just takes so much effort and you're always dealing with people um, being, being the bottleneck, I think, to, to the business. 
Yeah, it, it, it will continually be a struggle as it has been since that article I mentioned in 1968 to us today. But uh, you said something that's really good. If you make business to be done and make it easy for them, they will come back to your scene a lot more. They're going to come back to that story because you're easy to work with. It's okay. I'm going to pay these guys an extra 50 bucks to do whatever. Uh, but it's worth it because they're easy. 100%. Um, that's awesome, Chris. Well, we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, tell the listeners, uh, do you have an email or what's the best way to reach you? Maybe they're on the sideline. They're like, oh, I want to learn a little bit more. I'll check out your website. I'll have all the links up, but what, what's the best line of contact to get to you? Best way to find me is uh, Chris at the trusted toolbox.com. That's Chris at the trusted toolbox.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, anybody who would like to, I'd always give 30 minutes to anybody uh, of my time in the home service space because like I said, what we do is really hard and there's no secret sauce that I wouldn't be willing to share with anybody over 30 minutes of a chat. That's awesome. Guys, definitely take uh, Chris up on that. It's uh, This podcast is just a taste of uh, the wealth he's got and I will link up uh, the Home Service Institute, as well as the book From the Zoo to the Wild. Uh, I think there's a ton of value. Before I let you go, Chris, uh, I'd like to end with, is there anything we missed or any last piece of word of wisdom you'd, you'd have to the listener um, fighting the good fight or a piece of encouragement or, or I'll, I'll let you uh, take us into the outro? Yeah. The, the last thing I would say is the one thing I learned about myself as I started my own business is that I really am optimistic. I really had perseverance and stick to itiveness, and having those two traits and being a problem solver will end up uh, winning the day. So don't let yourself get beat down. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. There's going to be good days and bad days. But remember, at the end of the day, you're, if you're in business and you're doing this, you got to be optimistic and you got to persevere for, th through a few things and you can have it happen. Beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you, uh, Chris. We will uh, stop the recording and uh, we're going to have to do this again, man, in the, in the future. And hopefully send uh, some good people your way to, to capture some of this learning you've given. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yep. Best of luck to everybody. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.